everybody. Welcome to episode four of our Hope Parent Podcast. This podcast exists to come alongside you as parents and raising the next generation of Jesus followers. We are so grateful for all of you for tuning into today's podcast. And if you like this content, will you please consider sharing it with your friends and other parents so we can continue to serve others just like you. Well, in this episode, we have a few members of our Next Gen team. If you've been listening to our previous podcast, they will be familiar to you. Um, But we do have Krista Carter, our director of preschool, Amber Ramsey, who is our admin in our Hope Kids ministry, Trenton Dorner, our student pastor, as well as Carrie Gilliam, who is the administrative assistant for Next Gen, Um, Tony Caniglia, our Hope Kids pastor, and myself, Jeff Phillips. I am the Next Gen pastor at Hope Church, and we are really excited to talk to you about what we consider to be a very important and relevant topic. So to introduce the topic, I'm going to throw it over to Trenton as he will facilitate the rest of our conversation for today. He's our student pastor, but um, he also, he's got some great things. He normally kind of uh, hosts this, but he's got some great things to say in the area of our topics. So you're going to be hearing him talk a little bit more than normal, but it's all incredible stuff. I can't wait for you to hear what he's got to say and what we are going to be talking about today. So Trenton. Sweet. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, this topic for today, I'm really excited to talk about with all of you. It's extremely important and it's in- extremely relevant. It's relevant because of what we've talked about in our last podcast, namely that our kids are on screens all the time doing online schooling. But it's also relevant because this is something that not only our kids struggle with, but if we're being honest, we struggle with as well as parents. And it's the topic of screen time. In particular, how much time we spend on our phones. The question we're trying to ask today in some way, shape, or form is how much is too much? How much time is too much time on our phones? And today we'll begin a two-part series. So this is part one of a two-part series that we'll pick up next month, where this week we're, we're really trying to dig into the how much time we actually spend on our phones and how that affects us emotionally, mentally, and affects our kids the same way. And then next month, what we're going to do is we're going to come back around and talk specifically about the kinds of content that our kids and that we take on and take in through our screen. So this is part one. I'm excited for part two next month as well. But here's the reality. If you Google a report on how much time we spend on our phones daily, I promise you, you're going to end up being surprised at how much time it really is. Get this. Listen to this stat. The average teenager in America, and friends, this is, this is pre-COVID. The average teenager in America spends more than nine hours a day on a screen, and that's purely for entertainment use. Wow. So things like Instagram, social media, YouTube in particular. This does not even include time spent on a screen because of schoolwork and doing online classes. Now, if you want to do that math and and extend it out and, and take it to the next level, if you take it to a month, a teenager who spends nine hours a day on average on a screen a day, that ends up being 37% of a kid's entire month. Get that. If a kid spends nine hours a day, they end up spending 37% of their month, over a third of their month on their phone. You add it up to over a year or doing a year, and then you look at it in terms of how many days these kids spend total on a screen. Get this, 136 days a year is being spent by teenagers on a screen. It's insane. Research has been done noting the effects of how much this screen time has, like the effects it has on the brain and emotions of individuals. And honestly, the effects 
are significantly negative. Mm -hmm. Levels of depression, loneliness, anxiety, and even suicide have risen significantly since the year of 2007. And you might be asking, why, why 2007? Well, here's why 2007 is significant. 2007 was the year the first iPhone came out. And if you track the stats, all those areas, anxiety, uh, depression, loneliness, suicide, you see an exponential growth after the year of 2007. You have to assume some of that has to do with the time spent on a screen. So clearly, too much screen time is not a good thing. But we can all admit as well that there are benefits to screens as well. We're able to access more information about literally any topic in the world. We're able to do that more than at any other point in history. And personally, like for me, it, technology has been a huge blessing to me and screens because I live 2,000 miles away from my family. And it is such a gift for me be able to be able to press a button on a screen and have my face and see my family on a FaceTime call. And so what all of this does, the good and the bad, is it creates tension. And it's tension that we need to try to wade through. And that's what we're going to try to do today. So... As we begin our discussion today, I want to throw it to the rest of our uh, friends in the group today. For students of this generation, they all have grown up with screens around them literally 24-7. They don't know of a world without screens. And so the question we want to ask and dialogue a little bit about today is what do you guys think has contributed to this being the world our students grow up into? Tony, I know you have some thoughts. Well, my first one is, I think it's because our own fascination with how technology has advanced over the years. Because we all have a point, especially if you're listening to this as a parent, you have a point in a in time where you remember when technology entered your world. Like for me, I remember when I got my first cell phone in high school. And obviously the big thing there was, oh man, not only do I can call people on the go and not wait for a landline or a recording machine, but I can text. And if you guys remember texting, it was the whole T9 and press mm. S four times, or I'm sorry, the number seven four times to get the letter S and you had to wait for the space. Like it wasn't convenient, still wasn't something that, it, it was advancing, but it, it was helping, but it wasn't like already there as to where we're at right now. We remember a time when we don't have technology and so we're fascinated when things keep on advancing technology with our screens. We're amazed at what our phones can do nowadays. Um, like for me right now with having a six-week-old, six I am amazed that I can take a video on my phone and send it to my mom, my sister, who live in North Carolina, mm -hmm. California, where I think of my mom who had to have like the JVC camcorder yeah. and then put that into a, like a VCR and have people come over to watch it. it like I'm, I'm, I'm still amazed by that. And students are, are students and kids, it's just born into it. And I think our own fascination, we bring it into our lives. We're excited when the new iPhone's released. Yeah. We're excited when mm -hmm. something new, especially video or photos adapted onto it, we bring that excitement and they can kind of feed off of that. But also with technology as well, I mean, it's been part of our routine. Um, growing up for me, um, Getting in the family room and watching TV or watching a movie, that was part of our normal rhythm. We would do that. We would eat dinner together and we watch um, movies and TV together. Now people are doing that. They're just doing it on their screens. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Stats also say that you can trace the amount of TV usage and how it's gone down in the past six years versus how cell phone usage and how much time is spent on cell phones, it's rising to the level of how much time we used to spend watching television as a family. Amber, I know you as a parent, you've got some thoughts on this. What do you think has contributed to, contributed to this being the world 
our students grow up in. I believe we've allowed and potentially encouraged screen time because it is easy and we can tell ourselves that it's good content. Also, we as parents have overbooked our lives, so we use screens as a distraction from our children so we can accomplish our tasks. I know that for sure. For me personally, I use it as a distraction. I know when I get into awkward moments, whether it's in social settings or something like that, and I don't know really what to do in order to engage, the first thing I do just out of habit is I grab my phone and I start mindlessly scrolling. It's an escape. It's easy. It's easy for us. I know, Carrie, you also, being a parent, you're, you have an interesting perspective about this. Why don't you share that? Yeah, um, this is a really hard question for me. Uh, so being really transparent, uh, my first instinct is laziness. Uh, before you attack me for the parent shaming, <laughs> let me clarify and throw myself into that boat too. Um, I see babies in strollers and preschoolers walking around with iPads everywhere. Uh, my kids are all teenagers, but I remember those days of being at the mall or grocery store trying to grab two things. Uh, my kids need a nap. They're throwing fits. If I could have given them a tablet to know they would be quiet for the 20 minutes in that store, I would have done it too. Uh, but I think as a society, we have just gotten lazy about relationships, uh, parent, child, husband and wife, friends, out of town, family, and a, a lot more. Um, it is easier to sit behind a screen than to make the time to call and talk to people to teach our own kids uh, the proper way to sit in a restaurant and have an actual conversation or to visit our relatives and catch up with old friends from school. We have just gotten lazy. Um, and I, it's hard. Being a parent is super, super hard. And um, we understand that. And um, I know my girl Carissa has something else to add to that. Yeah, parenting is a hard job. And it requires us to be on for our kids 100% of the time. So if you're listening to this podcast, I know that you desire to learn how to be a better parent, but the demands of parenting, it just feels like too much today, especially when we go on Instagram or Facebook and we start comparing ourselves to other parents. We see how perfect their houses are or how perfect um, things mm -hmm. are. And we just think that we just need a break from it all. And frankly, our kids need a break too. Kids love screen time. Now, as a kid, I love to come home from school and watch. Ready, guys? I'm going to date myself a little bit. It's that Saved by the Bell, Bill Nye the Science Guy. After all, I did learn a lot of science quotes from that Bill Nye, let me tell you. But back then, screen time was really just limited to at home. Now the screens are everywhere. They can come with you in the car, a friend's house, and who needs the Encyclopedia Britannica anymore? Because that's a lot to store and carry. This has become screen time, a luxury and extremely convenient. Yeah, there is no doubt about that. Jeff, you've been a parent for a long time. What's your perspective on this? Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, screens are this generation's versions of pacifiers, really, for their young mm -hmm. children. Um, soothing, not just crying, but in many other areas as well. So it's a hard one for me to answer because when my kids were younger, um, the only screens we had were not the portable ones. We had uh, televisions and that was it. And we used televisions for two different ways when our kids were young. Number one was for entertainment. So we'd be watching a favorite TV show or a movie and, you know, kind of dates us a little bit, but we're going to jump on some Barney or the Wiggles <laughs> or, you know, something like that. And so, Loved um, but, uh, Big but, <laughs> but, um, but the second reason, the second way we used it was really kind of to wind down. Like it's almost bedtime. Yeah. So let's calm down 
down and I was the worst at that. Right. I mean, I'm fun and want to just run around the house and chase my kids. And, and then Sarah would be looking at me, my wife, she'd be looking at me like, stop They're They're, we're trying to get them ready for bed. You're riling them up and getting them excited. So we'd, we'd sit down and we'd sit in front of the TV and we'd watch one of their shows, but mainly it's so that their heart wasn't beating wildly out of their chest while we put them into bed. It was to calm them down so that we could get them into bed. So really for us, that's kind of how we use screens, but it's just, it's a lot different. And that's why we really wanted to address this today as a team. Yeah, it's a good perspective. I, like everything we've just said, even added to this tension. It's hard. There's some good things. There's some bad things. It's easy. It's almost an escape sometimes that we use it as. But all this to say, this is a this tension. We, we need grace and wisdom when it comes to, to this topic. I think of a quote from pastor and author Andy Stanley. He says that not everything is a problem to be solved, but is it could be a tension to be managed. Yes, and I do I think this one. is one of those things. I don't necessarily think this is a problem to be solved. Screens are a reality for us, mm-hmm. but it is a tension that we've got to learn how to manage. Yeah. And the good news is, is that Peter, the apostle Peter told us in second Peter chapter one, verse three says this about God and us. It says his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And so parents, I want to say this to you. We have what we need. Through an intimate relationship with Jesus, we have what we need to be able to navigate this tension with our kids. But this raises for me another question that I think is worth being specific about. So let's talk about this. What are some of the dangers, some of the dangers that you have personally noticed of too much screen time, either for yourself or for your kids? Carrie, what you got? Um, Lost time. We get 24 hours in a day. Um, and we have all been there. You pick up your phone, you're going to post a quick something, something you heard, a quote, something, and then all of a sudden, two hours later, you're Mm. still on social media trying to figure out what the heck just happened. Anybody been there? I have been there. Amen. You'd get on it for one minute, you're on it for three hours. Amber, what's another danger you noticed? Yeah, we've also seen that, the disengagement with the people that we are doing life with. We lose focus on what matters and fill our time with screens instead of engaging with each other. I have noticed that too much screen time can numb us to real life, or we see behaviors and attitudes of characters they're watching being acted out in in the conversations Mm, we have as a family. Yeah, no doubt. The disengagement is a really big deal. Jeff, what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, going on that pacifier thing, you know, it's soothing the child's crying, but it also soothes the child's boredom. It can soothe the, can distract the child from what's around them. It can teach the child to be disconnected from reality, like Amber is saying. And so it it kind of creates this awkwardness with kids, especially as they talk to adults or even engage or talk to one another. And so I personally noticed that like among younger teens, a sense of awkwardness for them to connect with one another and with adults in person. But I've also noticed that um, that's growing more even as the teenagers are getting older. Um, they're, uh, it's just crazy to see there's an awkwardness. I mean, just kind of for example, back in July, we went to do a campus visit to our daughter, Emma's university up in Wisconsin. And when she realized through social media that there was a girl that she was friends with um, that was in her major, um, was also going to be there on campus, um, they had both seen that 
um, each other on social media, but they had never met face-to-face, obviously. And so the day came, we arrived on campus at the exact same time as the other girl's family. Um, literally, we're getting out of our cars at the same time. And because of COVID, there were only two families there for the campus visit, and we each had our own campus tour guide. So we're waiting to see our respective tour guides. And it was the most awkward moment of the day because neither Emma nor the girl said anything to each other face-to-face. The other girl's family was her mom, dad, sister, and her. And our family was me, my wife, our son, and Emma. And I was totally expecting Emma to say something across the room right there in the lobby, but she didn't say anything to her. And that other girl didn't say anything back to her. And so we end up going our separate ways with our tour guides. And I end up asking Emma, like, why didn't you say anything? And she was like, I can't tell the difference between her or her sister. I didn't know which one of them to talk to to address. So I just didn't say anything at all. And the other girl, obviously... She didn't want to say anything to Emma either. And so then during the tour, guys, like during the tour, Emma is talking to this girl about what they're seeing on campus through DMs on their phones on social media. They didn't say anything to each other face to face, but they're DMing each other on social media, talking to each other. And so neither of them throughout the whole day, neither of them talked to each other face to face that day, but they had great conversations on their phones about their first impressions of the campus. Guys, that's not good. Um, And I did my best to tell my daughter that that is not a good way to interact with new people. Um, because it doesn't create any or teach them how to do any kind of face-to-face. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Emma, if you listen to this, we're sorry for your father <laughs> telling that story. Uh, but so far, we've noticed some potential dangers. Number one, lost time. Mm-hmm. Number two, disengagement with the people that we're doing life with. Um, maybe some social awkwardness and the neglect in that area. But Tony, I know you've got some others to add. Yeah, from what I've seen for kids, the lack of problem solving and critical thinking yeah, a big um, to be able to do things on their own has been such just a huge realization for them. Yeah. And more so with that, too, the lack of creativity or the wanting to do something mm-hmm. because they've already seen it on a screen before. Like I'm thinking of kids who watch. Um, videos on Minecraft and other things as far as building, they watch videos of that instead of doing it themselves. Um, There's a constant comparing to someone else or even to the step above, they want to be that person or they want to be who they see in those videos. They lose a sense of their self as they immerse themselves into uh, technology. But also what I see too is that behind screens, Uh, we lose a sense of empathy and understanding for other people. And I'm talking more so in the area of what we say and the comments we direct and how we conduct ourselves. Um, A screen has numbed us from, and and I know we've talked about it, just that personal interaction. Instead, you're looking at a picture of someone instead of seeing their face react. Mm -hmm. You're not hearing the tone of their voice. You're not sensing the emotions that they're feeling, mm-hmm. it's very numb. Yeah. And the more, the more I've seen it just conversations, we're becoming numb in our conversations and we're losing empathy for one another. Yeah. It's easier to be unkind yeah. online, yeah. Absolutely. you know, because you lose the face-to-face interaction. But Carissa, for you, what, what have you noticed maybe personally for yourself as a parent, but also for your kids that are some dangers Yeah, I think that, to be honest, I really need to look at myself and answer this question for myself first. 
why am I drawn to spend time on the screen? The truth was, it's all at my fingertips. Everything's there. It's easy to click and get lost in something. 20 minutes goes by, 45 minutes goes by, like everybody's talking about. But as an adult, when we get a device, we have no concept of time. So then we turn to our kids, which already lack the concept of time. I think we've spent any time with children. Then they don't understand that concept of time at all. So the truth is that we just get drawn in, that our kids get drawn in, and they can't pull themselves out, just like we struggle with as adults. We also know that the addictive qualities that screen has on our lives, this is not just a kid problem. This is a culture and a society problem. And I think the first thing that we need to do as parents is take a really good, hard look in the mirror. How much time am I spending on my screen? How much time are my kids spending on, uh, um, on their screens? Uh, are they seeing me use my device for work and then am I using that as an excuse for entertainment for me, for leisure, even for my downtime? As a mom, my screen becomes my downtime. Pinterest becomes my love. So we really struggle with having downtime is what I've noticed in my house. So what does it look like? So being aware of my own actions as a parent is the first step that I need to do to try and even look at this problem for real. Yeah, it's helpful. And we've talked about it before. We, we need to model the way for our kids, right, first. I know for me, as the youngest one on the podcast today, and honestly, having a foot in the world of life before screens and with them, the thing that I've noticed about myself personally and in the younger generations behind me is that there's a very real temptation for me to live my life in such a way that what I consider to actually be real is the way I'm portrayed through my social media profile rather than how people actually interact with me on a face-to-face basis. What I mean is I can easily spend way more time thinking and planning how I want to be perceived as through my Instagram rather than thinking about and living in the moment with people. It's almost as if reality is what is being portrayed on Instagram rather than what's portrayed at the dinner table. It's good. And I definitely see this as a trend among Gen Zers. I mean, just being completely honest, you Gen Zers, teenagers of this day and age and younger, they get together just to post on social media. Wow. Reality That's for good. them in their minds is what's on the internet, not necessarily what's present in the moment. Other danger is comparison and how that affects emotions. You guys know that. You, Carissa, you hinted at it. You end up looking at somebody's Instagram feed and you look at their perfect life and then you look at your own and you think, oh my gosh, my life is horrible. Jesus doesn't love me. That's obviously not true, but that's what something uh, Instagram and social media and these screens can end up doing. Jeff, you have something you want yeah, to Yeah, I mean, even what you're saying there, it's like when you get together with friends, like how many likes do I have versus how many right. likes do you have? And then like, and then you post something and you're, you're thinking, wow, this is a really good one because I got more likes on right. this one than I did the last one. So I need to post more like this so more people will like it. And it's crazy. Wow. Or you end up deleting it because you didn't get enough likes fast enough. Yeah, that's wow. good. It's not just enough likes over time. It's enough likes fast enough. It's crazy. And you imagine, like, it's no duh, the emotional state of Gen Z is at an all time worst negative kind of negative point. So that was depressing, but we know the dangers now. So, to help our parents now as we transition, what are some helpful tips and habits that, 
or habits that you can give to our parents who are trying to think wisely about handling screen time for their students or for their kids? Carissa, what you got? Yeah, this has been quite the uphill battle in my house. Um, As a single mom of three middle schoolers, I'm in the thick of the battle of how much time is too much screen time. I'm always trying new things, and for sure, I don't have all the answers. As new devices come into our house, I have to evaluate what to do next, and this is an evolving process at my house. So if I can say anything, if you do not have this figured out, give yourself some grace and always try new things. That is constantly being changed in my house. I've implemented what my kids call the box of death. Let me tell you about it. This is amazing. When my kids get in trouble, okay, with their iPods, it gets taken away and it gets put in a lockbox that I bought at Walmart for $11. I think it's still there, friends, if anybody needs one. $11 at Walmart. I am the only one that has the key and it's on my keychain for my car. So the joke in the house is that it literally goes where your phone would go to die because it can't be charged. (laughs) Now, over the past couple of months, however, it's become even a little more serious of a problem. So I've started to take the entire internet box. Yes, you heard me say it. The entire internet box underneath my arm and my kids make fun of me because they look at me and say, Mom, what are we going to do now? And I say, figure it out. You got the and modem under but <laughs> I do. I got it right here, man. I'm, I'm feeling it up. And I take it to work with me. Now, this is, of course, if my kids don't have to do school at home on the yeah. internet. But there are times when I have to go to work and my kids can find something else to do. They just choose not to because, like I've told you, it's at our fingertips today. Yeah. So I take that internet box proudly and walk it out my door and it stays in my car. <laughs> it's wise. It's, it's genuinely wise. You got to. Yeah, it's a big deal. Jeff, what, what do you have to add to this? Yeah, I think just parents, just being aware of the parental controls that you can have on these screens. Um, if you don't know, Google it. Educate yourselves on how you can get um, those controls or access to those controls. Um, you can control a lot of how much time they have on those screens, how much time they can be on certain apps, all of those kind of things. So Google that and check that out as a tool and a resource. Um, but then also just kind of just an overall um, value in our home um, is simply this. We're the parents. um, We're the adults. We paid for everything in our house, including what our kids have, meaning nothing is the kids. We own it. Mom and dad, we own it. Uh, We have the right to access all of their screens at all times. That is what we do. Um, And so as the kids get older, yeah, maybe they can buy their own phone, but they're still into my house. (laughs) So I get to access their screens um, and kind of their rooms for that matter. But (laughs) but that's for another time. But (laughs) but we own it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Carrie, I love your perspective on this. What would you say are some helpful tips and habits you can give to parents who are trying to navigate this tension? So first, I just want to say aid to the men, to Jeff and owning everything in the house. I love that. Um, but let's just be honest and embarrassingly truthful with our kids. Um, I'm just coming at it from a teenage, adult, child, mom point of view. They need to understand the dangers of bad people. They need to understand what guys and girls are thinking. If something is said that my 12-year-old does not understand, she asks me what that means, not her friends. That's how it should be. Yeah, uh, with good. with older siblings <laughs> um, in our house, um, she hears a lot of things, probably that she shouldn't. Um, but my kids are not afraid to ask questions because I am not afraid to be brutally, embarrassingly truthful. Um, you know your kids best. 
best. So don't let other parents' rules dictate what you know to be best for your own kids about the internet and your household. That's good. Um, the things I say to my kids might not be what's best for your kids. Um, and I get that. So um, just... Talk to them in a way that you want them to hear hard things. Um, ask that question. Like, did you want me to hear how you said that? Did you want like, so just be truthful. And sometimes your answers are embarrassing and we have to be okay to say those things to our kids. That's great. But the reality is they're getting it. They're getting Absolutely. all this conversation somewhere. We've yep. said it before. I think on here, the question is not, are our kids being discipled? It's who and what are discipling Amen. them. It's good. Yes. Are you are are you discipling them? Is the church discipling them or is the world discipling yep. them? Amber, I know you've got some things to add here. Yeah, just recently we made screen time a privilege to be earned, not expected. Mm -hmm. And on weekdays, we don't allow personal screen time until a certain time and only if chores are completed first. And it was so hard because I would hear <laughs> is it time yet? Is it time yet? Mom, is it time oh, yet? Wow. <laughs> and for a while, but they just got used to it. And then I decided, well, I'm going to give them one day. So I gave them Saturdays and they can wake up and they can watch it whenever they want. Um, and they like that freedom. Uh, for the older kids, I watch the shows with them so we can discuss together what message is being sent. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. That's Good. helpful. Tony, round us out. Give us some helpful tips. Give parents some helpful tips on how to, to navigate this personally for themselves as well as for their students and kids. Yeah, going back to what Jeff said as far as taking ownership over the things in the house, um, I know my wife and I have already talked about technology for our son. He's a baby now, but it's a world that he's going to be growing up in. And so we actually made a decision. We're not giving technology as a gift mm -hmm. because with a gift, it's freely given. It's theirs. But we want to be able to control, be able those means and those rules and limitations on something like a phone, a TV, a video game especially. Um, it's all from our means, but they have the privilege to be able to use those, to use those things. Um, for going back to, we mentioned it in our podcast a couple, couple times ago, is we model what our kids see. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I'm out and about and I see kids on phones, um, or tablets, I immediately look at the adults. Yep. And if the adults are on tablets and phones, I know where they get it from. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have to look at ourselves and we have to put those measures in place for ourselves to be able to have those healthy boundaries, especially when it comes to our kids. Um, I know for me, removing notifications on my phone have been super helpful. Yeah. I don't get pinged um, for s social media, for email, for sports and nothing comes to my phone, I have to willingly go and check it. Yeah. And then I put my sites, those social media stuff, the time wasters I call them, on like my fourth page on my phone. Yeah. I have to swipe over four yeah. times. Sometimes I catch myself on going, what am I doing? But other times I just keep on going, but at least there's a one swipe barrier. Yeah. It's not a shortcut, it's not on the front. Yeah. I have to willingly go to that. Um, one of the better things that we've done, and Trent and you and I have kind of done the same mm -hmm. time, is setting the 
uh, a limit on our social on certain apps. Mm -hmm. um, so my wife has the password, um, and I don't know if it's to my benefit or not, but she actually forgot the password. So oh, so shoot. I always have a lock on my phone now for 30 minutes of social Good media. Job, I, <laughs> I, I even asked for it. I was like, hey, can I have that password back? Like 30 <laughs> minutes goes by like that, and she goes, I don't actually remember what right. I said it to. Oh, I so. I've tried like getting in our brain <laughs> to try and figure it out has still not figured out Buddy. the password on my phone. So that's crazy. It's, uh, it's a blessing, I guess, but <laughs> those 30 minutes go by real quick. Um, and then I know pastor Vance talked about this, um, not too long ago, but, um, just leaving your phone or electronics in a different room, especially yes. going at night. Yeah. Um, yes. I know when it's not, I know we use it as alarms and things like that, but buy an alarm clock. yeah, buy an alarm <laughs> clock. But I find myself, you know, last thing I'm going to bed is looking at screen. First thing I'm doing when I wake up in order is looking at screen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just leaving it in another room, um, be, have that physical separation from it helps ease or kind of helps set those guidelines in place. Yeah. I, we don't want to be so attached to it that when we don't have it, we feel like we've lost something right. and yes. that we're not, um, not all there or we can't fully participate in stuff. So all those things, all those suggestions are game changers. One thing I'm personally trying to get to, I haven't established this yet. This is something we've talked about, but I want to go a full day every single week where I do not touch my phone. Yeah where I intentionally go a whole day without looking at it in order to give my whole day to turning my attention to God and my family. And so maybe this is something for you as a parent that in this season you can try and maybe try to get your entire family to join in with you. And then you go make that day a family day. Mm -hmm. And it turns into one of the best days of, of your year, mm -hmm. potentially. And so for our last question, as we wrap up, we want to turn our attention to how to potentially use these screens to help us and our kids and students follow Jesus more closely. So let's talk about this. How can we help our students use their screens to promote growing maturity and Christ-likeness uh, in this season? Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point we've kind of discussed and the less screen time they have, the better off they are in growing to be like Christ. Um, but four screens, and Trent, you had said it earlier, but I mean, it's a tension that we've got to manage. And so um, for the screens, I mean, obviously the Bible app is great for them to have, um, to be able to read the word. Um, I know, you know, my, my kids have worship song playlists on music apps. Um, that's a great thing to have as well. Um, posting Bible verses on their social media accounts is always a great thing. Um, and then also teaching them that what they post on social media is a reflection of their own heart. Yeah. Um, and it's a reflection of their walk with Jesus. And that's a huge value for them to learn. And then also just discerning who to follow and unfollow is huge. Mm -hmm. Follow accounts that are encouraging your walk with Christ and, and unfollow accounts that are discouraging your walk with Christ. And so those are just kind of some, some, some ways I think they can become more like Christ um, with, those, with those accounts and with social media stuff. Yeah, it's massive. Tony, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's, going with Je what Jeff is saying, there, there's an education piece that our kids need to realize that their relationship with Christ also extends to what they're posting online. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it feels like there's still a disconnect. Whatever I post on social media, that's just, that's separate from me. But the reality is what we post, it really is a reflection of who we are. Right. It's yeah. an extension of our life and what we're putting out there. And so it's just reminding them of their life and how whatever they post and whatever they put on, it is a direct reflection of the relationship with Jesus. They can reflect 
what they're learning, what they're getting, and they can put that online and it's consistent with the things that are not online. Yeah, for sure. Jeff, you had something yeah, you wanted to say add. To, to what Tony's saying it, for their future. I mean, like my son is being scouted by some college baseball. And I know carries is too, but like college coaches and job interviews. Yes. And I mean, there are, there are jobs looking at their social media accounts from years yes. uh, of history. There are college coaches and college universities that are even accepting their admissions. They're looking at their social media to determine whether or not this is a good character kid that they want to admit into their college into their sports program or to hire them as a job and so that whole thing like Tony's saying is is massively huge and just one other thing to go with Jeff too is not only college scouts looking at the kids they're looking at the parents social media too so they're not only judging your kids they're judging your character on how you are posting things as well yeah that's good yeah well, and, it, and if you don't think it's going to happen, I mean, just look at the news when old tweets have come out, right. old, th- old pictures mm-hmm. have come out for people in the public figure. Like those things don't go away. Right. What you're posting isn't just that for that time. Yeah. It's available for someone to use in the future if they decide to do it. Yeah, yeah you're, good. whatever you post becomes a permanent part of your story, Absolutely. whether you delete it or not footprint. in some way, shape, or form. Carissa, any thoughts with this? Yeah, teaching our kids um, to learn their own limits that may not be the same as the person next to you. I think I've even learned that too with Facebook and social media myself as what they've been saying is that to not feel bad if you say, hey, I'm not going to be on this for a while. And that may not be the same as their friend next to them, but understanding that we need to see what that is. So pay attention to what is affecting you, I think is something that we need to teach our kids as well. Be a light where you can be a light, but then know your own limitations as you're, as far as you being on a screen yourself. So if it's more hurting your walk with Christ to be on the screen, so walk away from it and allowing the kids to understand that that's okay. I also love this Bible verse. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial for me. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 23. This reminds us that we are able to do as much screen time as we want, right? God doesn't put limits on that. But God does say <laughs> that um, we need to be careful of what is, it, we, what is allowing us to control us. He does caution us to make sure that we don't allow anything to master us. Maturity with screen time is teaching our kids to know when to turn off the screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. Carrie, any final thoughts there? Um, I would just say challenge your kids to post something that they read in their God time um, or heard it converge or um, something. Yeah. Um, or something that was said on Sunday morning um, to their pages. Uh, if your kids or students cl- claim to be Jesus followers, they should want people to know that they know and love Jesus. Uh, we talk a lot about um, being who God called us to be, especially in student ministry, um, and being the same person at church that you are at school. This is a big deal. Uh, sometimes loving Jesus and showing people might feel that like that you're all by yourself. Um, if you want your friends to love Jesus, you need to show them who Jesus is in you. Yeah, That's for good. sure. One of the things that we need to do a better job of talking about is the idea and the reality of limits yeah. uh, on all things. And so we need to help our students see that limits and ourselves see that limits are a gift from God. Think about this. Adam and Eve's fall in Genesis chapter three. 
is an example of how they went beyond their God-ordained limits in eating from the tree, and the results of that choice were devastating. Limits are not bad. They're designed to lead us to life, not take life from us. And so we need to understand that what grabs our attention grabs our formation. And what I mean by that is we become like that which we pay most attention to. We need to limit paying attention to worldly things on our phones and on our screens and promote paying attention to gospel things and things that point our attention to Jesus. <laughs> One resource that I would recommend for you parents that um, we'll put in the show notes is a book by Andy Crouch called The TechWise Family. came out a couple years ago, but it does a great job of instilling some of just his own personal family uh, kind of priorities and ideas around limits and screen time and just being wise with technology. But even more than that, it does a great job of just presenting you with a whole bunch of research in regards to this area. So it can provide some healthy, godly perspective for you as you try to navigate this tension. And so what we want to do, just as we always do with this podcast, we just want to close in prayer for you. I know this has been a lot. I think this has been our longest podcast so far. Um, And so we know you might be drinking from a fire hydrant, but what we want to do is just pray for you, bless you, and ask for God's grace and wisdom on your life as we try to navigate this thing together. So Jeff, would you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah, let's pray. God, thank you so much for these parents that are listening. We thank you for the gift of the children you've placed in our lives. And God, we um, are responsible for these kids. And God, you've given us these kids to raise up in you and to discover who you are and um, to understand your great love for them. Um, But God, there are so many distractions pulling at us as parents and pulling at our kids. And one of those is screen. One of the big ones are screen times. And so God, we just pray um, that you would give us wisdom and discernment to be able to navigate through and manage this tension of what it means to um, to, to live in a world that's so uh, dominated by screens, but to also um, teach and raise our children with a biblical worldview that gives them values of your word. Um, and so God, help them uh, to to understand, help our kids to understand um, who, the great love you have um, in the midst of being around screens. And so, God, we thank you for the gift that screens can be. Um, God, we thank you for um, the uh, opportunity you give us to learn from our screens. But, um, God, we also um, pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment as we parent our kids through um, through how much is too much of the screen and, and how we can help guide them and help them navigate their, their little minds and their lives as they continue to grow. And so, God, we thank you for these parents. God, please give us wisdom. Give us discernment as we parent our kids in this crazy culture and crazy time um, that you've placed us in. But God, you placed us to raise our kids for such a time as this. So God, therefore, we have access to everything that you are. Um, And God, we take those things and we take all that you are and we try to do all that we can to apply that to our children. And so God, give us the wisdom to do that. We love you. We thank you for this time. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. the Hope Parent Podcast. We pray it was encouraging and helpful to you as you try to raise the next generation of Jesus followers. Be looking forward to the next podcast that's coming out, part two of this screen time conversation where we're going to be covering the 
content that's actually coming through the screens to us and to our students. And so please make sure if you have not already, we really appreciate it when you do this to like and subscribe to our podcast. This really helps us out as well as we'll keep you up to date when the next podcast drops. And if you liked this content, please make sure you share it on social media so we can continue to serve other families just like you all. Thank you so much and we will see you next month. Bye.